So, so, so what? You're just going to throw them in the bin? No, I'll rehome them. Okay. I'm not going to throw them in the bin. I mean, they're books. I would at least rip the covers off and put them in the recycling. Okay, thank you. Welcome to The Writer and the Critic, a monthly podcast devoted mostly to books, reviews, and whatever else takes our fancy. I'm your host, Kirsten McDermott. With me is my co-host, Ian Mond. How are you, Ian? Um, well, I'm angry because my football team Did you see I'm mangry? No, I'm not mangry. I'm angry. <laughs> and I'm gonna... That was like man anger. It's like, isn't that just anger? <laughs> so I'm day. I know we're not meant to talk about current events in the podcast. Go for so it. Don't so care. it's timeless. It's Although not should, fucking timeless. We should say we're, we're recording this, what, the day before the coronation or two days before the coronation? Are we? Coronation's this weekend. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I, <laughs> like, I, I honestly, there's not, I, I, can't, I can't remember about what you're about to say about football. Than I do about coronation, which should tell you something. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I mean, I've been, yeah, it's not been on my radar either, but I happen to know because uh, if you turn on the TV for more than eight minutes, uh, you'll see about it. You, you watch the news, don't you, Kirsten? I I can't remember the last time I watched a visual rendering of the news, but I, I do I do now that you mentioned it. I have I, re, I recall in the last week flicking past many ABC news feeds. Yeah, it's all over the ABC so, news. But I don't feeds. read them. I just go oh, coronation flick. Anyway, my football team is shit, and to compound them losing last night, uh, it was bus replacements because of all <gasps> the stuff going on that I didn't know, and I had to go via the Cape. And it was really annoying and I got home at midnight and I'm tired and in a terrific mood. So that's what I wanted to. <laughs> I, I, went, I went down to Melbourne last weekend, nothing to do with football, um, but the train I caught home was a tactical error because I was, I was literally running for the train. The, con- the conductor had actually blown the whistle. The doors are about yep. to shut. It's like, I've got to get on this fucking train or it's another hour before the next one. Jumped through the doors and then I realised the train was beyond standing room only. Like it was so packed. I, I hadn't really? seen. Yeah, I hadn't seen a going V-line where? train. From, to Ballarat, back to Ballarat. A like, V-line going yes. back to Ballarat was standing room only. Yes, and full six cars and it was just – and it was standing room only all the way to Ballarat. I stood the whole time. That's it was two hours. Pink. I know. Fucking football. That's all I can say. It was just filled with football people coming home. I Like I should have – if I – if I hadn't been in such a rush to try to get the train, I would have seen it and gone, you know what, I'm just going to stay here for an hour, have a pizza. How did you do stand for two hours? It was not fun. It was not fun. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and thank you to all those people on the VLON train for your very entertaining, if often disturbing, conversations. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that's well, well done, Kirsten. And, and if it was football supporters, I hope they were nice. It, it was because it was like I don't, I don't you, know that you've only it been was red and black, in, which oh I think God, is Essendon. Yes, that is Essendon. Yes. And it was whoever Essendon played last weekend. They played Geelong. Yes, it was Geelong. Blue and no, not blue. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. White. yeah. Yes, blue yes. and white. It was Geelong. So Essendon and Geelong, and it was their people coming back to where I don't know why Essendon <laughs> supporters are in. Okay, so right, but there anyway. are supporters across the whole country, Kirsten. They don't. They don't all live in the one suburb that they, they support. Know. I know. Because I don't anyway. live in Carlton. Strangely, you know. Uh, yeah, I know. All right. Football is stupid. I don't understand. Okay, good. Let's not have a discussion about that. <laughs> 
don't message me football people. We'll, we'll, I don't way, care. Well, but they don't even know which football you're talking about. Oh, we have do you know at work? International at work, audience, yes. I was going to say ahead. at work we have a footy tom- tipping competition, which I have never entered, but I got into a discussion with some colleagues and I promised that next year when they run it, I am going to enter it, or rather my cat is going to enter it. Okay. And we're going, and to, we're going to see how far the cat goes. goes. Okay. And the cat's just going to pour any random. I will work uh, out. I will work out a thing that will be fair and impartial to determine the cat selection of fair enough. the games. I, I don't even know. Are they fixtures? I don't know. Whatever yes, they're called. it's a anyway. fixture. Oh, my God. I, this, this is so painful for me. It's, it's Australian, just going to be so for funny. Our, for our audience who cares even less than you do, it's Australian <laughs> rules football. It's not rugby league. It's not rugby union. It's not soccer. It's not gridiron. It's not the any, all the other variants. It's Australian rules. And, yes, this is a painful conversation. And let's move on to the books. <laughs> Okay. We're, on, we're on safer ground. <laughs> we're going to move on to the books. I, I will keep listeners updated next on the cats. year with what happens with the cat's footy tipping oh, endeavours. She's oh, very excited. I bet. I bet. <laughs> okay. We're talking about two short story collections this month. And, by the way, it is our last podcast before we have a couple of months hiatus. We'll be back in August having two months off to, well, I'm going to read my way as much through uh, Robert Sherman's stories we hear in the dark um, as I can in two months. <laughs> we'll see. Um, sorry, we all hear stories in the dark. You can ask me what I'm going to read or are you just going to move on? I was just, I was just correcting myself because <laughs> I got his title wrong and that's rude even though I have the books literally sitting in front of me right now. What are you going to read in the next two months, Ian? Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I'll, okay. uh, no, 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 no. I'll probably do some catch up on twenty twenty three books that I probably should read, not for oh, review, but to have a should read. No, 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 beyond no. the should read. No, now. it's not that. There's the stuff that I okay because I'm, I, I review. Obviously, we all know that. I've only mentioned it in every podcast, but I don't get a time to review some books that I would love to read around okay. that come. They've just come out. It's not. So it's not Research. should read, it's books that you want to read that you haven't had gotten yes. to. Yes. yes, sorry, sorry. Perfect. Yes, yes. All righty. Well, that's going to be a delightful couple of months. All right, moving on. So as I was saying, yes. in this last episode before our mid-year hiatus, uh, we are reading two short story collections, one of which I chose, which was The Trees Grew Because I Bled There by Eric LaRocca, which we'll talk about first. And then, and that's a fairly new book, although it's a, it has a little bit of a history. Uh, and then Everything Ravaged, Everything Burned by Wells Tower, which is an older book that was on Ian's to-be-read list for Correct. a very long time. And for a very long well time. Well done. So 2009, I think? In 2010. 2010? 2010. And I would have bought – I didn't buy it in 2010, but I didn't. I bought it a long time ago as well. Yeah, so, so it's, it's been languishing. So yeah. excellent. But first we'll talk about The the Trees Grew Because I Bled There by Eric LaRocca. Uh, Say that was, 15 times. It's a great title. Oh, it is. It, but, but The but, title but, is probably why I wanted to read the book, so well done. <laughs> Uh, he has great Rocker, titles for his Oh, books. my God. His titles are terrific. They're fantastic. Uh, we should say uh, this was previously pu- – it's published by Titan now. Um, it was previously published uh, by a small press um, under a different title, which was The Strange Thing We Become and Other Dark Tales, and he got the rights back and Titan has picked it up. So if you've read The Strange Thing We Become and Other Dark Tales, um, this is the collection we're talking about essentially. What did you think of it, Ian? So as everyone, if you follow me on Twitter, and I think I do this every month, is I put little capsule thoughts after I've read something. And you cross-post them to the other socials. Goodreads, Facebook, Instagram. 
And my initial reaction to the book was I enjoyed the some of the tactile nature of his writing. Uh, there was a certain some of the stories are quite creepy, genuinely creepy. Mm. But but <laughs> they are very one note. There is no texture to these stories beyond the prose itself, which might have a bit going on. But I, I yeah, I have a lot to so say. You mean about, like there, there's like a lack of depth? Correct. There's no. There's nothing to. You, I mean, I don't want to talk about the Wells Tower now, but there, there's nothing to scrape past the surface beyond what you're reading, beyond the words that are there on the page. It's that's the story. That's that's the deal. And I suppose it comes down if you're a horror writer who is intending to instill creepiness and a sense of dread and atmosphere, etc. Yeah, okay, I understand that you might. That's what you're focusing on. But this is a collection, and while there are some innovative approaches he takes uh, with some of the storytelling, um, it's basically the same thing again and again. And I just grew meh with it. That's. I've yeah, gone. I've I, gone quite dark and negative very quickly. Here. I, th- I think. I think that's fair, though. Um, I, I, as you say, I think as a collection, I think there there is a, a flatness of affect to it. Yeah. I guess you could say it, it because it is the stories do feel quite similar tonally. And yeah, yeah. as you say, there's no, there's not a lot of. Um, I. <sighs> None of them really surprised me. I it's guess. not just that they don't surprise, because I, I can understand that. And I don't mean like like oh, an amazing twist or something. Like, but there there was nothing. I think that's what, as you said, there was nothing to sort of dig deeper into. The, and there's no, and I never got a sense of feeling that LaRocca could write outside of this one narrow lane. Well, this one lane. It's not actually narrow. It's actually there's a lot in going on, but this one lane. There's no sense that there's there's another there's another, there's a few more gears in LaRocca's uh, um, box. I'm gonna. Kill my metaphors here. Interestingly, though, I listened to an interview he did, and I'll link to it in the show notes um, for listeners. But he was talking about, I believe, most of his, a lot of his previous work is is very much sort of core body horror, from my understanding of what he was talking about. And the stories in this collection are actually a shift, and it, and a, a, some of them a deliberate shift away from that into okay. writing. All right. Fair Quieter. enough. Quieter. He described it as more more quiet horror. Um, which maybe for a body horror writer it is. I didn't, <laughs> it's not particularly quiet. Yeah, but but the gore, the gore, There's one with uh, a, a character who's essentially giving her body parts to a, a man mm. to keep him alive, etc. Or whatever. It's a this, but it's this weird. It's, it's not, not to just, keep him alive. It, it's to just he just wants them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, he just wants them. Yeah, yeah. and it's it, this weird psychosexual thing going on. Um, Really glad you brought that. Like, that's the titular story of the collection. So the, the trees grew because I bled there. I've said it before. Great titles. He comes up with beautiful titles, and that was one of those stories that I was, I was vaguely disappointed by because it was such an interesting premise. Um, it it was very well crafted in the sense that you didn't quite quite know for much of the story what exactly was going on, why it was happening, what was the relationships, and then it it and we're not going to give the ending of it away, but it kind of ended up with a very sort of what you would expect this kind of a horror story to, to happen with. Conventional ending. That's the word, a very conventional ending. Some of his other stories, the one about the woman, I read her as a woman, I think she was the daughter. She was the daughter of the, the her mother who comes from Italy. Yeah. Um, that story I really liked. That might have been That's the best story in the, co- in the that collection. That is the best story in the collection. That is the one story that is different 
is, yeah. is, is just it just doesn't feel like anything else around it. So I should apologise what I said before because I said <laughs> that they all sound the same. No, no, thank you for reminding me. That is the one story that really does feel completely outside yeah. and that LaRocca was pushing himself to, to yeah. produce something and, and in a good way. That, that yeah, is a yeah. perfect piece. It really is, and it doesn't resolve itself, and it doesn't end in in any way that is like that. That story, I guess, su- surprised me because by that point, I think that is later on in the collection. It is. It's. Uh, it's. I'll be gone by then. That's I'll the be story. gone by then. Yeah. Yeah. Really good story. It is. It, I think it is my favorite in the collection, and I guess I wanted that that kind of writing, which wasn't that conventional in terms of where the story is going or ending or the resolutions. And I. That's more what I was expecting, I guess. And and the first story did a little bit of that. Like you weren't quite sure where the story was going. Yeah, that, that one that one said that that one told me that the tone of this is going to be quite creepy. Yeah, and it was creepy. Like he he, as you said before, he does that creepiness really well. Where it is, it's a creepiness because the reader is feeling, um, I guess, unmoored. Not not yeah. not certain what exactly is happening. There's ambiguity there. There's intimations of something bigger or more complex or scarier um and where he resists the temptation to resolve that is where the stories are like but really that's thing. unfortunately not what occurs for most of these stories so for example yeah. there are three that come to mind the one with the woman who is a pyromaniac goes exactly where you think that story's going the one where uh the couple the uh couple are the couple in the park by, the couple in the park it's Reminded me of that Twilight episode about the what is it? Just well, I actually compare them to O. Henry stories. I compare them to O. Henry stories, yeah. Except O. Henry stories where we already know the twist. That's the problem. Uh, um, and then the one about uh, the the father of the pool at the at the resort who's approached. Oh, I did not like that story at all. <laughs> but but, but those three those like three stories, story. which are actually the three longest stories in the collection, because mm. they're. they're it, they're reasonably short, and even even the one, um, the woman on the forum about her partner who has cancer. Yeah, uh, it, it also takes a certain conventional route once you figure out what's going on. Um, but but th- that's probably less so than the other three. Those mm. three. Yeah, the, the thing is, this I want to ask you this because uh, you you did come to my mind, not just because we do this podcast, oh, but there we go. <laughs> because you actually write stuff, and I just write <laughs> reviews. Um. Uh, it felt like when I, so when I read those three, they lock, they lock, they seem to lock LaRocca into a certain path very early on. Like in the first couple of pages, mm. it's clear that where this is going, there is no sense it's going in any other direction, and it's just the journey, and, that and that's where it goes. Yes, and yeah. I'm wondering about from your point, is that some? I mean, do you, writers, do we, is that how it works? Do you feel that you need to? I don't know. It just, you, it just no, like a story can't lock you in. No, I mean you're you are writing the story. As with some of these, like as with I'll be gone by then, um, that could have gone down a very familiar and conventional trajectory, and and it didn't. And so sometimes you might set up and play with the reader's expectations because that's what we we don't. Writers, especially genre writers, are not writing in a vacuum, right? The, the work that we write and send out into the world that is received by people, they're not. it's not being received by people who've never read fiction before or never watched movies before. So you understand there are audience expectations in terms of narrative, in terms of what particular characters are like, in terms of where what stories look like. And you can either 
I mean, it's not an either or, but you can, for example, leverage that expectation to to provide exactly what the reader is wanting um, and, you know, do it in a very satisfying, chunky kind of a way, which is fine. Or you can leverage it in the opposite way to to take readers down a path that where they think they know where they are and what the weather's like and you know, they've dressed in a certain way for the weather because they're going out for a picnic and they've checked the, the weather app and they're like, great, great, it's, it's nice and warm and lovely and I'm going to go out in my clothes and I'm going to have this food and it's going to be wonderful. And then, oh, fuck, there's a thunderstorm and hail and you are fucked now. So you can you can leverage expectations. That would be in- the worst story ever written, but it's I see the point that you're Well, right, well you see, where the reader checks the weather and gets dressed and goes out and has a yeah, picnic yeah. and has a lovely day, that's a particular type of story. Yes. Yeah. And that's a really nice day. And someone who wants that story is like, excellent, this is exactly what I wanted and you delivered, wonderful. But the other type of story, not great for that person on the picnic, but maybe maybe fine to watch someone who's sitting in their car, nice and warm and cosy and drinking hot chocolate, watching this poor person get drenched and hailstruck. It's like, this is really exciting. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. No, no, so but- you, you can leverage the expert. The stories themselves shouldn't. There is story. You are writing your story. If it feels like you are locked in and going on a path you don't want to take, fucking change it. Go back and rewrite with you. Yeah, you're but I don't sending- think I, I, we can't get in the mind of Erica. No, no. But what you're saying is like that's not that. No, that is not how it works. And and you said you said unless you're new, and and I do think that if you are new to the genre, this may be. But you're not. You're not new of- to stories and narrative what stories right? so you can, narrative gotcha. you know even yeah. if we don't think about it as readers and most people probably don't think about reading at a very high critical level unless you are a critic or a writer you know you're, that's not what you're actively thinking about when you're reading a story but your mind is because conceptually the ideas of those three stories are very old ideas I mean, he's done some minor tinkering with them, but if you haven't seen this before, I mean, okay, we're both very old. <laughs> we are very old. Two of us. So we, we've been reading for a long time. So I understand that my, my 13-year-old son won't have read yes. stories like these, but if you've been reading in this field for 20 years, and we're, for both of us it's longer, these are, this is, yeah, and this is, this is where I get confused, Kirsten. <laughs> okay, this is where I get confused because... I read the reviews around this book, and they were uniformly pra- yep. just praise. This is this is amazing stuff. Okay, each to their own. Great, but I don't understand. I, am I so out of touch? Maybe I am because I do have t- my tastes have changed a lot in the last fifteen years, and maybe I would have loved this when I was in my late twenties and still reading gore horror and all that, which I've sort of drifted away from, but. I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm not saying that the, the book should have been smashed. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But, but because there yeah. is some good work in here, I just don't. You didn't connect with it. I didn't connect with it. But I, and I'm not saying that no one should connect with it. Clearly, people have. But, but it feels to me that I am out of touch with where the genre is headed, where horror is. Um, I, I don't think we can we can pin the trajectory of a genre on one collection of short stories. <laughs> I know. I that's... I've been no, no, no. I've been thinking about this more broadly, and I'll tell you why. And it's got nothing to do with Eric. Apologies to Eric. Apologies. It's. I looked at. So, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I looked at the finalists for the for the Locust uh, review, um, Award this year, and obviously I'm, yep. I'm a reviewer for Locust. I, have I mentioned a that before? Times. I think I have. Um, oh. Jokes. 
Um, and I realised, and there's a, there were quite a lot of finalists, I've read four of the books. And so I feel like when it comes to core genre science fiction, fantasy and horror, I am so outside the camp at the moment. Uh, and I don't know, and that's why I have to hold myself back a bit when I look at a book like this, because I feel like no, maybe this is where things are at, and I'm just. I mean, I, I don't think I don't so. Know. I think this is. I mean, this is this particular book, and I think there is a lot of stuff I did like about the book. I don't necessarily think just because um, there's stuff I didn't like, or because I don't, I don't, un, you know, fully understand. Because like you, I read reviews, and it's like, um. <laughs> I did not like this book nearly as much as everyone else seems to have. But I think there are there are there are problems with this book. Like as you said, it's like the stories are not necessarily um they don't have that depth and complexity that I'm looking for as a reader in any genre that I'm reading. I don't want just a a flat conventional here's where it's going. Oh, look it went there story. I am not interested in that as a reader. And I don't think that's what the horror genre is about. I think that is part of the genre. I think that's part of any genre. And um you know, I I know the types of work that I am attracted to these days and as I said it, it's the complex stuff, it's the ambiguous stuff, it's the the stuff that makes you kind of think deeper about um you know, the what you've just read, but also the implications of of what you've just read, and we've talked about some of those books on the podcast, like the, the, some of the books that Undertow Publications is bringing out. Um, Stephen yeah. Graham Jones is writing astonishingly complex and scary and creepy and disturbing and beautiful work. And I think when we reviewed The Only Good Indians, I like I said at the time, this for me this feels like the very best of what horror can do, uh, and this is what Stephen Graham Jones is doing right here right now like this is what horror can do this this shows you that the genre is not hackneyed and is not just regurgitating themes this is new and deeply disturbing and horrific and for me we would sit in at the core of what the genre does when the genre is working well but we know ian being lifelong horror readers that a lot of what the genre does isn't that and this is always what the horror genre has been like there is a great wide seam in the horror genre which is and I'm not saying LaRocca's book is this but which is just this schlocky you know shock for shock's sake horror and that and some of those works within that subgenre are really good and some are not I would argue that every genre has its you know has its various seams of of quality and you know the the subject matter and themes that particular writers are interested in so I don't think, you know, this is necessarily being out of touch with the genre per se. I do, I, no, I do think it is. Maybe not with you. Maybe obviously you don't feel that way. I do feel that way. I genuinely feel that way. I looked at the Goodreads reviews and not just the outside, not the the, the, the formal reviewing, but the, the stuff that the fans are bringing to it. And, you know, it's got a very high mark in Goodreads. And, look, I'm not saying it shouldn't, okay? So I've got to, we've got to qualify this because this is my yeah. view of the world. But but you read it and you see and what I what I get out of it is uh, people saying because they're, they're used to LaRocca's work so again we've come fresh and that is partly possibly a problem. Well, here. it shouldn't be. I don't know. It's it's well, not yeah, like it's a short it's story the middle book of a series. It's not, it's not the book. True, true. 
So you see, but like all good reviewers, there are a number of people who are saying, yes, this is like his previous work, da 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 and it brings the same sort of vibes and da da and I really loved it and, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a feeling in, in a lot of these reviews that, you know, this is – that and I can – sorry, Eric, I'm not trying to put the entire horror genre on your back. <laughs> Unfair. But, that, but there's a – and, and look, it, come, it comes out in the Chuck Wendig mm. introduction as well that he is the, the, you know, he's the next big thing and – and maybe he is, and good on him if he is. And I, all the, all, all, well done. I just, is it just that I'm, I just feel, no, not, it's not even a question anymore. I just don't think I'm there for this anymore. This is not my, I, this is not my thing. And, and, yeah, and but, it's, it's, but, a, it's, but it's this me is realizing not your it. thing. Not horror is not your thing. I mean, if we, if we go back a couple of decades, right? So, so, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, would, I probably would have no, liked no, this no, more though. Twenty years ago, go back a couple of decades in the genre, right? Yeah, like some of the big writers at the time, you know, Stephen King, um, Dean yeah. Koontz, uh, Richard Layman. If you want to get a bit outside mainstream, no, I never connected with Dean Koontz. I hated Richard Layman's long work. Love Stephen King, right? It doesn't mean I'm not looking going. Yeah. Oh, I don't like Richard Layman and Koontz, and everyone else does. I'm disconnected from the genre. Because everyone raises Stevie, but you raise King. Well, I'm just okay? three very well known shit tons of King. No, 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 no. But look, Layman. Yeah. I'm not going to say. I hated. I hated his novels. I hated them. Yeah, the, the treatment of women are not great. Let's just let's just leave that there. And Koontz is very much uh, the bromide of horror. I mean, it's <laughs> so it, you. Mean. You read one, you've read them all. It, but it is. It's true. But but that's easy pickings. King is more difficult. King. Obviously, the luminary, the king of the of the genre. Okay, his stories and the rocker stories in terms of plotting are actually quite similar. Stephen King has never been big on. I mean, he he, he grew that way. But if you read the early stuff, which when we read it, mm. we loved it. Yeah, but if I were to read it now with the same critical hat I'm putting on with LaRock, I'd probably come to the same view that, wow, these stories are basically, you know where they're heading very early on. But why do you love them? Because his voice mm. is singular. There is a voice that Stephen King has yeah. that is unlike anything that I'd read at the time. And frankly, very, you know, I've, many have tried to mimic him, but it's 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 singular. Now, LaRock's voice is good and, and at times very good, but it's not that level. And so this is, it's the old thing, and I'm, I know, Cooking analogies <laughs> and metaphors are terrible. But if you're going to make a simple dish, you've got to knock it out of the park. And that's the way I feel to this collection, okay? These are simple stories that are well-written but are not well-written en- enough, okay? So they, have, they, they haven't overcooked the meat and blah, blah, blah. They're just not seasoned. Oh, God, I'm going to end that me- metaphor real quick. You need to step off the metaphor yeah, train. I know. <laughs> but you get my but, point, um, okay? I, I do. And, 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 and I agree. I agree. Uh, I, th- I agree, yeah, I, but let's yeah. move on. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying I think um, the the voice for for me as well that I didn't get that connection to to anything beyond, as you said early on, sort of the surface level story because yeah. that's what it it was. The writing for me wasn't. I'm I am uh, I'm going to say sometimes you notice a a tick with a writer, and as soon as you notice it, you you're done, and you just and something LaRocca does um, is he he uses way too many similes and metaphors, like way too many. So, so many things are like, 
you know, this happened as as if or like. And some of those metaphors and similes he uses are spot on. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Are, are not. Some land perfectly and some land in another planet somewhere. But it's, there's just too yeah. many of them. Yeah, agree. There's just too many. Just stop saying why someone, you know, what someone looked at someone like as if they were or someone did this as if they did, you know, just just stop because as soon as I noticed that, then it was like every time. It's like Clive Barker, I used to play a game with Clive Barker because I realised he, not with Clive Barker, but with his work because I realised at some point he really liked the word insinuate. Oh, are you, okay. All right. Yeah, keep going. And he would he would put this word in almost everything and he would use it in a metaphorical way. Like the, I forget which story it was in that I read. It was from the Books of Blood that I first noticed it. I can't even remember now, but it was such a good usage of that word as in a metaphorical way, like someone insinuated their hand into someone else's pocket or something like that. It was just just a perfect usage. And then every other time I noticed him using it like that, it wasn't quite as good. And it just became a funny thing. Like every novel or story I read of Clive Barker is like, will there be an insinuate? And there usually was. And it was just like no one else would have even noticed that. But it was just How drunk would you have become if you did it as a drinking game? Oh, with Insinuate? Yeah. No, he only used it once in every... Oh, okay. He didn't so, oh, overuse it. Oh, it was, just, okay. it was find the Insinuate. It's find the Insinuate. Okay, got you. Got you. Because there'll be one because he loves using that word, but he knows not to overuse it. To, to provide examples, <laughs> so so we're not saying... So there's a, there's a small... I'll, I'll just read out a small passage here. And I'm not mm-hmm. commenting necessarily on the similes metaphors being used, but just... The, just, just, in, just in a couple of sentences. I'd always found a way to avoid speaking about Maya or Mia ever since she passed over a year ago. Her presence at these ses- sessions had dimmed considerably until she'd eventually become a mere afterthought, an unwelcome visitor at a sombre two-person party. I skirted around the uncomfortable topic of my dead wife with the dexterity of a carpenter ant avoiding a bead of water. So that's it. I'm stopping. There you go. So there's two there, yeah, alongside each other, both that don't entirely land and both that are very different tastes to them as well and it's one sentence after the other Do you, that's that's i think the point you're making yeah yeah that, well there's and one early just... in one of the early uh, you know a grin so cloying that a magician might read him which i read and i liked but then i went what does that actually mean like what am i meant to try and envisage from that it's like there's that because yes there is like layers and layers and layers of metaphors but it's like there's a lot of ones where he he will literally he'll say someone looked at a person as if they were blah blah blah, and this there is just a lot of the as ifs and the likes, um, the, like a simile, rather than the, an embedded metaphor. And I just, yeah, I couldn't because again, some of them were good, and some of them were like they they're not hitting the mark, or or they're just they're just more words that you're having to read while you're in a scene that should be really tense and you know building up the the creepiness factor, and instead you're you're wading through a couple of extra lines of of a simile, which isn't needed and that was something that in terms of the writing itself I, I didn't I just didn't engage with it that much it wasn't as you say like the voice of the book wasn't engaging enough for me for, for that to pull me through the story and, that, and that's why I want to end on a positive note Kirsten yes because in, <laughs> in spite of everything we've said if I go back to our favorite story our joint favorite story I'll be gone by then Mm. Look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to reread it right this second to see if it does the metaphor thing or whatever that you've pointed out, or the as ifs 
that you've pointed out. But the thing it does really well beyond just the ambiguity, which I think it does far better than nearly every other story in the collection, if not every other story in the collection, is that it works. It is a character piece and it's one that builds the character in the story. I think one of the issues, and again, I'm being negative, but I need to do that as a contrast. One of the issues with some of the other stories is that you never get, beyond the very basics, you never get a feel for the character. So when they're in jeopardy, you go, okay. Whereas in this one, although there's no jeopardy, you feel mm. the angst of this character, their relationship with their mother, the fact that they don't want to be in this situation, why are they having to do this, pick their mother up from the airport, blah, blah, blah. Just the, then this this whole sort of um, – and, and I'm remembering this off the top of my head this because this one stuck with me because it is quite mm. a powerful piece of writing – um, that, that, that they go something, well, can I just leave my mother in the park and walk away and never see her again because I can't do this? And and, through, and throughout that all, you, you're just getting these lovely little notes of character. And I compa- contrast that one with the pyromaniac. Bodies are for burning. Bodies are for burning. Where, yeah. it, again, it, it, it's it's the same thought throughout, just repeated throughout the whole story. There's no sense of nuance. Whereas here there is. There's this, and the fact that the character... Mm. goes back and realises, wait, what have I just done? And there's that lovely, amb- I'm not going to say anything more, but the yeah. beautiful ambiguity of the ending. That, oh, my God, that was beautiful. Yeah, I'll be yeah, I'll be gone by then is for, for me, well, for both of us. And I think it's important up. that we say this because because rather than just say, oh, we didn't like it, it's important to contrast what we liked versus what we didn't yeah. and why Absolutely. and what the difference is, what the what the textural difference is. And that's the one that, that, that really yeah. stuck Whereas with me. The one you, like the one you particularly contrasted that with, Bodies Are For Burning, um, I, I thought that was I, I didn't mind the the, the build up and the intrusive thoughts and the you know because this character is having thoughts that she's going to harm people with fire with burning um, and and these build up and build up and and it's framed around a therapy sort of a situation and then she ends up having to babysit her young very 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 young niece and of course she's worried that she's going to set her niece on fire or burn her or do something and she has all of these ideas. And this story I'm going to spoil because I need to talk about the ending. And I thought there was there's quite a visceral build-up to that that ending. And the ending was, of course, instead of throwing her niece into the bonfire that she builds up, she she sacrifices herself by throwing herself into the fire. And it's not necessarily the actual bare bones of the ending that works. It's the fact that when this character does it in a story that, like a lot of LaRocca's, is quite physically visceral um, and evocative in terms of what, the body feels like what what it what pain and suffering and trauma feel like in the body this character throws herself into a literally into a fire burning alive not not you know drugged or or alcohol you know numbed or anything like that and it's described in this welcoming warming you know very embrace positive an embrace literally an embrace and it's like that's that felt like it betrayed the whole story because even if the character felt like this is what I'm going to do and this is what it will be like. That is not what it would be like. And not that I want to rewrite anyone's ending, but I felt like the ending for this story should have been more to the point of, well, well, like it should have shown the horror of that ending. It should have shown the horror of of what a person who throws themselves into a fire and burns alive. I agree. I mean, I, 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 and I just felt betrayed. I felt betrayed by the ending of that story, not the actual ending, the tone. I know we were going to end on a positive note, but you You've brought this up, so it's your fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, I rolled my eyes at that ending because, uh, yeah. for the reasons you've just given, but also because, uh, I mean, if you didn't see that, you can have 
the mechanics. You can have the mechanics of that ending. No, no, but, but, but if that ending is, if there's an element of it's, that's the, isn't that the easy ending? It is, but you, you can have, on paper, you can have, oh, and then she throws herself into a fire. It's what you do with that. It's what you and do. That's with what that. I'm saying before. You've locked yourself into that ending from the mm. very first page of the story. And that's, that's where I, I sort of, it felt like with me that the all these stories, a number of them, were on trolley cars going in one direction, and that was it. And see, with 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 that story, bodies are for burning. It almost would have been, it would almost would have been better. Like, yeah, let her throw the kid on the fire. Like, don't fucking don't fucking flinch. Yeah, because we're reading it, going, oh, this is what you want us to think, but we know it's not going to happen. Fucking make it happen. Yeah. Throw the baby on the fire. Correct. Like, don't flinch. Correct. I mean, it's horrific, but these are this is a horror collection, and that'd be so clever. It's like. I told you this was going to happen, and the re- and you as a reader going, no, it's not going to happen. It's like I told, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. She's going to, no, it won't happen. It won't happen. Fuck it, happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't flinch. And I feel like in some of these stories, he flinched, and that in a, in horror, that's as a reader for me, that's disappointing to see a flinch from a from an author. But I'm not disappointed. I read the collection and. Um, I think there, like, as there is, there is enough in there that I'm, I'm interested in, in what else Larocca might come up with. Anyway, let's go on. Let's move on because uh, let's move on. So the next one is everything ravaged. Okay, I apologise in advance. I love this collection, Kirsten. I <laughs> Why are you apologising? Because well, maybe to the previous collection <laughs> because um, this is everything I want in a short story collection. I mean, first. So I'm going to fight you on this if you didn't like it. I, I do see there are problems with this. I didn't love it. I didn't Oh, hate my it. God. Oh, my God. What did so... I used to say? I liked it well enough. Oh, my God. You are so you are so wrong. <laughs> uh, just... I loved the last story and I loved the story just before it, the long one about the fairground. <sighs> but I felt like I was having to earn those stories by reading through the rest of the collection. Oh, no, 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 Kirsten, no. Sorry. No. I, I did, I didn't, I didn't, look, I reckon, okay, so this is, um, like I said, it's, it's, oh, gosh, getting, getting on to 12, 13 years old now. So it's published 2010. Yes, but the stories will, have, the, the stories came out in Believer magazine and that would yeah. have come out in the early 20. Yeah, that's zero. right. So it's, it's an early, very early 21st century yes. um, stories, and they were really prettily crafted. I mean, Tower has just – he can craft the most perfect metaphor or the most perfect phrase for the, the situation. Like they're, they're quite – it is beautifully written, but that wasn't often enough to, to, to pull me through the stories oh, in no, this one. This, uh, and it should have been. His voice is amazing. The oh. – so I, I've been tired, like you, I have also been tired. I've been struggling to read, okay? Yeah. I swallowed this down. And maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it just reminded me of something that I'd been missing. I don't know. Mm. But the first paragraph of the first story, which, and I'll just do the first sentence, which is, or first two sentences, Bob Munro woke up on his face, his jaw hurt and morning birds were yelling and there was a real discomfort in his underpants. And, and, it go, and then that paragraph goes on uh, and, and he comes, you know, and, and it just builds and builds and builds to a crescendo, just that paragraph. And I just love the bit about, and there was a real discomfort in his underpants. And there's just a little acerbic sense of humour that runs through that story and the next one. In fact, the next one. All, all of them, really. Yes, has the funniest thing I've read in a long time. 
by by a mile. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. I'm, I'm st- it's really disturbing though, and it might say something about me as a person. And I apologise in advance, but go for it. Um, yeah. So so this is. <laughs> Okay, so if you can contain yourself enough to read, I've got to put context on this. First off, the character is is, this is the second story, I believe, and the character is it's it's he's a a real estate uh, guy who's uh, lost a lot of money. His relationship with his brother is terrible, and he's decided to buy. He's an asshole. Yeah, and he's bought a cabin in the woods. And he has this feeling of he's going to bring his brother with him because he wants to maybe patch it up with his brother. But also he might use his brother to sell one of the cabins because he's trying to also sell a lot of the land, etc. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, you didn't really need to know for this paragraph, just the fact that this bit is about he, where his brother's living conditions. And it does involve a dog. And I know dead dogs are a terrible thing in literature, but <laughs> I still laughed at this. All right. There's, the dog isn't dead, I should point out. So when I drove down to see him two years ago after a conference in Seattle, I found him living above a candle store. This is the brother, by the way, a candle store in a dingy apartment that he shared with a dying colleague. The animal had lost the ability to urinate, so Stephen was always having to lug her downstairs to the grassy verge beside the sidewalk. There he'd stand astride the poor animal and manually void its bladder fire, a Heimlich technique horrible to witness. You hated to see your last blood relation engage in something like that. I told Stephen that from a business standpoint, the smart thing would be to have the to have the dog put down. This caused an ugly argument, but really it seemed to me that someone regularly seen by the roadside hand juicing a half-dead dog was not the man you'd flock to for lessons on how to be less out of your mind. I know it's terrible. I'm sorry. I apologize. But that just that thing of hand juicing a half-dead dog, I, I know. I know he there are people who own a pets. Perfect turn of phrase. He I does. Know. And I was crying with laughter, and I know it's taboo and it's terrible, and I'm a bad person. But that—that's his fault. That's Wells Tower's <laughs> fault, and his <laughs> asshole character's fault for making me laugh. Hand juicing a half dead dog. I won't forget that. Neither will you, because I've read it. So no, no. I, I think, I think though, for me, one of the reasons I just I bounced off a lot of these stories is like they just—they're just about asshole men. And I am t- so tired of being told I need to be interested in asshole men, yeah, asshole so I, white I, men. I knew you were going to raise this. I don't have a prepared response. I and just I'm knew not, you were going to raise this. I'm just not interested in asshole white men anymore. I'm sorry. Fair enough. I mean, you know, it's the Philip Roth school of writing to that degree, you know. Mm. Let's do a whole story from the perspective of, of a prick and, yeah. and see, if you, see, see if you can find a scintilla of empathy for that person, yeah. you know. I, I just think, though... That's why I really love this because it's a curated collection. And, mm. and look, I think this, because he's a one and done writer, this is it. What we're reading here is, I believe, yep. uh, all he's done. So far, uh, he's not dead. No, but this <laughs> came out 13 years ago. And what's he been doing the last 13 years? He I may have written, if he's written other short fiction, it hasn't been collected. And because I looked around and um, he's been writing screenplays, he went off to Hollywood and that sort of stuff. But it, it does, you're right, it does do that. Toxic, well, not even to, because he's not even casting it as toxic masculinity. No. These are just assholes. They are, but I think they're nuanced assholes. I do, I do think that, and I get that. That's already a well-trodden ground that has been done before, and I could argue that this is of its time. That at the time this was published, it wasn't as well-trodden, but <laughs> but I just think he does it extremely well, and but and I think he it's, does. It is. It is 
like it, the the prose itself is astonishingly good. That wasn't enough for me. Yeah, I, I, but but it's but it's hilariously funny as well. Like the story about the bloke. <laughs> they're not all about men, and that's the other thing. I just because the, the, this is what I'm saying. It's a curated collection. Can you yes. see how passionate about this collection like, I am? I can see that. I've tried not to kick your puppy. <laughs> no, you can kick, kick away, kick away, kick away. No, please do. The first three or four stories are about that, but then he shifts, and I don't know if it's and this is it's the way the story this this is all been ordered. Yeah, and. Mm. There's that beautiful story uh, from the perspective of a young girl, which I think is beautiful. You may disagree, but is about, uh, you know, coming of age. It's a coming of age story, but done in a way that I've never seen before that I, I that is just very different to what's come before. There's the car, what I call the carny story, but it's this sort of kaleidoscopic type story, which is very different to what's come before. Mm. Also features arsehole men, but in a very different mm. way. And then, of course, the final story, which is about yeah. Vikings, which I is mean, ex- completely different. Except for the story about where the pre- the point of view character is um, a young woman. It's, I mean, that that's, I don't know. I just feel come on, come on, come on, come on, speak it out. Upset like me. I, I liked, um, I liked. Uh, it's, is it called at the show or on show? On the show, on the show, on the show. I liked that story. It was is a longer one, and I liked the the structure of that, and I liked kaleidoscopic is a really good way to put it. Actually, I liked how that story flickered around and. Thank you. And, and change. I'm going to use it in a review one day. Go for it. I think it's great. Um, and I liked the, I, I guess maybe because you weren't sunk in the point of view of any one of those characters. So you, you could kind of build a, a, a kind of more a picture of uh, the texture of the, the the world that was being presented there. And I thought the Viking story was just done. And, and the ending of the Viking story was fantastic. Um, and speaks, I think, to the whole collection. That last paragraph is like, yeah, it, it okay. is the it is the one of the best last paragraphs of a story. It is stellar. It is ever. a really, really good story. And I love the mix of like, here's a story literally about like Vikings, um, but we will tell it in contemporary. Their dialogue is in contemporary Americanese, you know, all of that sort of stuff, and it works. It works really well, and. I think Tower pulled that off with a plum because not at any point, not even from the first time they speak, do you go, wait a minute, isn't this meant to be a period piece? <laughs> um, it, it just works well. And possibly because it comes at the end of this collection where you're used to hearing this voice and you're used to hearing characters speak like this and, and carry out conversations in this type of vernacular. So it just fits in a lot at the end, even though it takes a radically different path in terms of time and setting. Um Still about asshole men, but it works. <laughs> yeah, keep and I think it, I think it works because maybe that protagonist is more of a questioning protagonist about himself. And yeah, he's far more self-reflective than any of the other men. Oh, to and, a degree, than any other men. I mean, I think the, yeah, even the real estate the, the real estate guy in the second mm. story does reflect. He just doesn't get to where we would hope he'd get to. He, he stays in the arsehole territory, but keep keep going. Yeah, and I, I think for me, for for most of these stories, and yes, it's like like bits of writing which is like that's fantastic, and there were, you know, there were there were things I liked about some of the other stories as well. But I've just thought again, and it, it's possibly a Kirsten thing, but it's just like I am just like I said, I am sick of being told that I need to find asshole white men inherently interesting. I'm just sick of it. Is is that what these stories are doing? Are they saying that you, I mean that you need to find them empathy? Here's a bunch of stories. Not 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 empathy. I can empathise with all of them. Interesting. 
that, that I should, that you, that you should by the very fact that, that they are a collection of stories presented and written and, and given to me to read, I'm expected to find them interesting. And I'm sick of being told I should find this interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can't. <laughs> and and if you do, that's fine. But I don't. And yeah, you know, from from the first story, and for me, all, most of the protagonists, um, like with the Eric LaRocca collection, yeah. I found a very uh, textural and tonal similarity across the stories. Their characters were quite different. Right, the characters were very different characters and had different concerns and different backgrounds and different goals. With the Tower Collection, I, f- I found this tonal and textual similarity between the characters, between the protagonists. Of they're, they're different people; they're not meant to be the same, but they kind of are. The same. Do, well, they're different flavors of arsehole. Let's. That's... And it's just like, and that was that was wear, wearing, very wearing. Um, the story about the young girl was actually quite a refreshing sort of thing. In, in the middle. Um, but, yeah, just mostly it's like I'm just done. And with the first, it's the first story with the fish tank, right? That's the very first one. Yes. And it's just like I, the story's clever and I'm not saying the stories aren't clever and well thought out and, you know, complex and stuff like that. But at the same time, like if every single story is about here is someone in a situation pretty much of their own making and they don't even have the wherewithal to to see that and to find, you know, a way, either a way out or to see it and go, oh, well, this is just where I am, fine. It's, it, there's not, there's nothing inherently interesting in that. I don't think, you know, the cynicism, pessimism, whatever you want to call it, is in itself a particularly, it's conventional. That kind of thing is conventional now and probably has been before Wells Tower collected these stories. It's very conventional to say, oh, people are assholes. And really, no matter what situation you put them in, people are going to be assholes. And guess what? They've always been. Look at these Vikings. Nothing's changed. And it's like, that's, no, I reject it. I reject it. And I'm not interested in stories that reinforce that. I'm interested in stories and narratives that actually go, you know what? Maybe it's not as fucking bad as we think. Because it actually isn't. Like, the world is not peopled. Like this, it is. It is not. We wouldn't have gotten this far if it was. Yes. Okay. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. I, the, but the, my fundamental approach to this book is that, uh, possibly because I am uh, these characters, these men. I, I, so, <laughs> I don't so, think you're as big well, an asshole. Well, as I'm a, I'd like to think people. I'm not an asshole like that. But this, <laughs> but okay. So I'm not going to yeah. deny that these stories about these men, at least the early ones. Uh, the first three or four resonated with me. I, not that yeah. I'm this this person. I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't get into a fisticuff with someone. Uh, I mean, there's that the one with the the, the car park, the yeah. car park one. You know, I, I wouldn't do any of the things that these men do. But yeah, their, their stories to one degree or another resonate with me because my background, the way I am, and the voice. The thing is, I, th- I don't think it's just just it, 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 the voice is amazing, and you know yeah. me, I, lo- I know the you're the same. The voice is absolutely amazing. I, I, voice will drag me through any old shit, frankly. Uh, and if it's if it's funny, I'll go with it as well. Um, and then the characters themselves, yes, I think there is layers to them. I mean, you could say there are different. As I said, I think, did I say before, there are different tastes of arsehole here. I was using the word arsehole a lot. Um, that's probably not a sentence you wanted to ever no, say. No, no, that's different tastes. Let alone on no, a podcast. No, that is terrible. <laughs> that is different tastes. Oh, my God. that's I can't believe I just said that. Anyway, 
Yeah, because there is an inner turmoil that they're all going through, which which I know you could say, well, who gives a shit? There are bigger issues in the world. There are there are there are there are other people, other places that turmoil much bigger. These these men fundamentally are privileged, especially our real estate agent who made a lot of money and lost it all because he's a prick. You know, they're privileged men who seriously gives a fuck. And yes, I get that. I agree. But I enjoy, I, Ian Mond, enjoy that tussle, that ability. Well, I know that's what I am, but can I break free of that? No, I can't. I keep coming back to the norm. I keep, because I see it in certain people that I know of a certain age and attempt to break free of that box. And these, we're talking men here, and they just keep coming back to the norm. They just keep dragging themselves back. And yes, I, and I get it. It's a story that's been told for two and a half thousand years. Okay. I understand that. I just think Wells Tower tells it really, really well. Whether it has any worth in 2010, 2000 or 2023, I agree is up for debate. He also just tells it over and over I, I in the collection. Think, I don't think it is the same story. I think they're different. Like I said, I think they're different tastes because the characters are They are, are different, but they're not radically different. No. Yeah, Maybe. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're different people. Obviously, they have different backgrounds. They're from different, you know, their, their situations are different, but tonally, texturally. Okay, fine. Yes. If I'm going to knock La Rocca, you're right. If I'm going to knock La Rocca for being tonally the same, then I have to do the same. I have to be fair here. And I suppose the reason <laughs> I am different. Because it's different, much better written. Yes. That, yeah. that, that, I'm sorry, but that, that's, I'm, no, that's what it's going to come it, down like, to. Because, again, I come back to Stephen King. Frankly, has repeated the same story 27,000 times. Do we still love him? Okay. Person <laughs> from five years ago before he got onto Twitter and started saying stupid things. Do we still love him? <laughs> uh, well, to, to, to be fair, the last, no, the last, I think I have drifted away from Stephen King. I've, oh, right, I've not fine. enjoyed. Okay. The, but, 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 I mean, that's. But even before you drifted away, he was doing that. It's not like he started repeating himself no, a year ago. absolutely. Okay. So. But, I mean, look, I will say, like, at the time I was reading some, like, Tommy Knockers, Rose Matter, like, like some of those you finished and went, what the fuck? Yeah, but see, and I don't want to make this a Stephen King podcast, but Tommy Knockers, which is a horribly plotted novel, so is one bad. of my favourite Stephen King it's novels. A, because well, and it's then just I guess so that's in, where we're different. Yes, because of the voice, because he was clearly on goofballs. And you, you can read Stephen King and the entire time you're reading the Stephen King book, you are enjoying it. And then you close the back cover and you're like, hang on a second. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, wait, what? But I didn't close the... Kindle close, I should say. Um, the, the the I'm not saying that I closed the Wells Tower and said, well, on reflection, uh, I found that to be, uh, you know, all voice, no substance because I think there is substance. There I is do. substance. I, I'm not saying there's no substance. I'm saying I don't think I'm that interested in the substance. Yes. No, I hear that. I hear that. I hear yeah. that and I get that. And I, and, and, and I will fight you. No, I won't. I said I would that way because it's, because I had a feeling that was. I mean, look the the story, the story that I think summarised for me was about the old man who lives in his daughter's apartment. So it it is a, he's another arsehole. Okay, he's now an older one, mm-hmm. but again, it's he has this interaction. So he thinks that the woman across the way is a prostitute, and he thinks well, his daughter has intimated. And so he thinks has said, has said that she's explicitly a, said, said she's actually a yes, she's a sex worker. <laughs> yeah, 
Anyway. She doesn't say it that nicely. No. For reasons that I'm not going to go into, <laughs> he gets into her house and finds out, no, she's not a sex worker. She just sells drugs. But there's this, I again, the interaction between the two of them when they start talking, I just found hilarious, although I was her- terribly disturbed by this old man talking about World War II as if it was a lark and, uh, you know, the, the horrible things that he probably did. And mm. it's that weird juxtaposition that is what I enjoyed by these stories. That's, that is, by the way, that level of um, secondary level of the storytelling that I enjoy, that, that mm. I know is, he's, got, he's done these things in World War II, but at the same time there's also this really sort of meet-cute, weird meet-cute going on between, and they're not going to be in a relationship, but this weird meet-cute going on between the two, and it's just working all at once. And, and to me it's, I love yeah. it. I love it. I know it's, you get what I'm saying? There's, a, there's another layer there. And I know that if, you, if, if, yeah, if I old, get it. weird old man uh, is not going, isn't your interest level, then, yeah, you're just going to bounce off it. But to me it, it's yeah. Beautiful. It is beautiful. I, That's what I think. Sorry. Too bad. You don't have to apologise. Oh, no, it I'm going to apologise. It was not a book for me. Yeah, but I don't accept that. As, I think you a, have to. I think you have to accept that there are books you will like that I will not. No, no I accept that. I, but but I want you just to understand that I'm right. And <laughs> I mean, you, you, you are right that you loved the book. Yes, I don't dispute that. All right, this, 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 is, this has gotten to a, a certain level. <laughs> An existential level that I never thought we'd get to. Um, look, we should the Viking story. I, I went on Twitter when I spoke about this. I didn't actually tell, say what that story was because it floored yeah. me. It, 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 I, <laughs> did, was that was the last thing you expected? Yeah, be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And it was quite a refreshing end to the book. Oh yeah, okay. So it's yeah, but 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 you you turn the pages. Didn't think you. I, so I don't know if you were like me, but for the first two pages, I thought, wait a sec. This is this is some Renaissance fair thing, isn't cosplay. it? Cosplay, like, cosplay. Yep. This is they, no. Oh my god, they're Vikings, and, and and I just oh my god, and that and you and I think you you've said something really good in this conversation. Only one thing though. Oh, just the one thing. Okay, what's that, that last that last paragraph where the you know I mean, they put the story last, but that last paragraph yep. does speak for the whole collection in a it way does. that. That, that to me just puts a bow on it, which I mean, I understand you bounce off, but and I don't want to read the last paragraph, but I, no, 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 but it does, it, it does, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, see what I'm doing? It's like, yep, I see what you're doing. <sighs> okay, all right, fine, fine, <laughs> but no, it, I really genuinely loved that Viking story, I thought it was really good, but but there's this hilarity of it that they've been to this place before, they've already plundered it. And they've gone back to the game because they think that, that this that they've sent a curse to send dragons their way or whatever. Yeah. And the guy who comes out, who, who dies horribly, as says, wait, wait, what are you doing here? Well, you've been here already. <laughs> get, get away. Yeah, but now you've cursed us and sent dragons, so we're back. Yeah. <laughs> and then because they don't get to ransack and pillage, it's like, well, we're out here anyway. Where else can we go? <laughs> yeah. I, and look, if it wasn't a Viking story, if it was still set now-ish about – people who are just going to go and fuck other people up. It wouldn't have been anywhere near as interesting. It's interesting because of how it was crafted, but also because I think the ending of that story was just a lot more satisfying. I mean, I get it. I get everything these stories are telling me. I'm just not interested and I think we can do better in our storytelling. Okay. And I think we have to do better. Okay. I don't think we can keep continually reinforcing the worldview that everyone's an asshole out for themselves because if we do – that's what we think reality is. 
except for us. We're the only non-asshole. Everyone else out for themselves. Okay, which fair is enough. bullshit. Which is one hundred percent bullshit. And I'm just. I think it's just echo, it's just reflecting. I think it's reflecting reality that I see every day. Is it though? No. So there are people who do break free, but I think of a certain generation, I see it. And if you just reinforce, no, 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 no. So, so my job is. as a father with my son is to not reinforce yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there is a certain generation that that they they sometimes have moments of epiphany, but it lasts for about eighty seconds. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm seeing. That's what I saw in these yeah. stories. Although they're not all they're 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 not boomers, so to speak. These are Gen Xs for the most part. But I'm seeing it. In, I see it in my own cohort. It's not just that the older. So, but anyway, I, I get it. Uh, I don't think we need to. But it's not the whole of your reality. No, no. But then, no, no. Of course not. But I, it re- when I say it resonated, not because it, it it reflects everything I see every day, but because I see mm. it, I yeah. see it full stop. So yeah, look, I think the Wells Tower is amazing. I think everyone should read it. <laughs> read it. Having said that, if you've heard what Kirsten said and you feel that Kirsten's depiction is in your mileage, entire- no, 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 no. Well, that's right. You're, I'm not under underscoring what you said. Sorry, I am underscoring what you said because I'm saying that your your depiction of it is accurate, and yes. and I'm not that. That sounds terribly patronising, but it is though. No. And so, if you hear what Kirsten says and you go, uh, yeah, uh, I agree. Don't, <laughs> Don't, maybe find you, if you listeners, find listeners, you have to decide whether you're an Ian or a Kirsten. Correct. On this one, you do, <laughs> and you have to, uh, and then at, at the same time, you need to uh, figure out not just whether you're an Ian or a Kirsten, but you, see if you can find the final story uh, somewhere online. I don't know if it exists. Online. The final story is is just really, which good. is the title story, by the way. So yeah. that's what, that's what the yes is it, and it's interesting to know. Like if, if I hadn't read, like would I have got a, as much resonance out of that last story if I hadn't read it as the final story in this collection? If I just read it somewhere, would I have just thought, oh, that's a neat way to yeah. approach that? I think it works as the capstone, um, probably better than it would have worked in isolation, but it did mean I had to read the whole fucking collection to, to get that experience. The, whole, the collection's <laughs> terrific. The collection's terrific. The story before it's great. The story before that is great. The other four are about yeah terrible men but still i think they're great that's it that's all i'm going to say on this i'm going to go now because uh, <laughs> you've upset me and oh no and uh it's terrible well next episode um which will be in august again i remind you we're going to be looking at two novels and the first one is the book of accidents by chuck wendig which i've chosen because i have read a couple of wendig's short fiction uh i haven't read any of his long form and i'd really like to so this one sounded interesting <laughs> And Conquest by Nina Allen, which has not yet been released, but is coming out um, this, this month. month. Yeah. May. It's coming out in May. Um, yeah. So by the time we talk about it in August, it will be a couple of months old. Oh, my God, why are we bothering? Correct. Okay. So you can send feedback by commenting at the website, which is writerandcritic.podbean.com. You can send an email to writerandcritic at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Writer and Critic, but to be honest, you won't get much interaction there these days. And, of course, you can sponsor us on Patreon if you can. And thank you to all our wonderful patrons. We love you and you help keep the lights on. So that's us. We're done. Bye, Kirsten. Hey, oh, but by the way, just for everyone's knowledge and Kirsten's. Sure. First podcast in three months where I haven't fucked something up. This was clean. Oh, tech-wise, yes. Yes. 
was. No, but weird background noise. My these no weird background noise. That's no working. fifteen minutes of setting up at the beginning uh-uh. and fiddling with things. All We're, done. So well it, done. You we figured it there. out. Ninety nine episodes. Yay! We, well done. Me. We figured it out. Did we have to figure it out? I figured it out. <laughs> Yay! Or, or Kirsten figured it out and then told me what to do. Yay! Yay! All right. See ya. All right. Bye. Do you know the next one is our hundredth? Yep. Are we just, we're not just, we're just going to slide that by, aren't we? We're going to say, yay.